You're listening to All About Girls of Color podcast, a space dedicated to creating environments that allow girls to thrive. We explore issues and solutions that focus on removing obstacles so the natural joy and genius of girls can bloom. Join us as we dive into conversations all about girls of color and the women they become. I'm Tanisa Cunright, the founder and executive director of Detour Empowers and the Fancy Teen Girls Leadership Academy. I'm Gabriela Delgado, an educator and principal consultant for Saving Our Starfish. And I'm Ginedra Sykes, an equity, diversity, and inclusion certified organizational development coach and consultant and a partner in Arboretta Group. Disclaimer. Our intention is to bring our whole selves to the conversations by bringing our professional and personal selves to each episode. Any views or opinions on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creators and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creators may or may not have been associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. So today, we're going to have a conversation about college, girls of color going off to college. We have Paula here. She's one of our interns from SDSU. Woohoo! Go um, Aztecs! Right. Alumni. Hey. (laughs) Um, So she is currently studying social work and working for Detour. So, um, Paula, I'm going to kick it off to you to kind of like let us know more about you and your journey. Okay. Um, I do go to SDSU. I'm in my final year. I'm going to get my bachelor's hopefully at the end of May of next year. Um, I'm studying in social work. I took two years. I took three years at community college, and then I'm doing my two years at state right now. Um, I also right now I'm applying for my master's in social work because as we know, San Diego is really expensive. So (laughs) I do want to afford to live in San Diego and my master's will help me get there. Um, my journey is I was, I was raised in Chula Vista, which is, um, near the border. Um, I was kind of not an only child, but I was the youngest, so I didn't really have my older siblings around me. So everything was kind of fresh for me. I didn't really, um, have, my siblings didn't go to college, so I'm kind of the first one to go to college. So when I went to community college, I didn't know what was going on at all. Um, I know that I needed to be there because I didn't want to go to the military, which was another route people take. Um, And I just wanted to be successful. And that was the first step I knew I had to take. Um, There wasn't really much help that I got. I kind of had to just figure it out on my own, which I, I don't know. It was, I'm glad I took, I learned on my own, but there was some help that I would have liked, you know. Um, what would have made it easier, you think, now that you can, you're almost done. So looking back when you first started that journey, what would have made it easier for you? Um, I think more people who, more people that look like me mm-hmm. and more people who are in the same situations as me definitely would have helped. I know that maybe I just, I wasn't aware of it, but I know that when I went into college, I didn't um I don't know I there I didn't explore all the different avenues that there were so I just kind of you know went to class and I was like okay this is this and then counselors kind of put me in the generic path they were like okay 
you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this. And I was just following them blindly, kind of. And then can you tell us about high school? Were you involved in any programs, like on campus or out in the community, that prepared you for college? Yes. So high school, I um, was in drama all four years. That was my little niche that I had. Um, I don't know if I was good, per se, (laughs) in drama. but Yeah, fun. (laughs) Yeah, I did have fun. It was something that made me feel included. You know, I was proud to say, oh, yeah, like, I'm, you know, doing this. You know, there was a band kids. There was, they had, there was people who weren't anything, but they just felt like they had friends, you know, and so that was my thing. Um, High school for me, it was definitely strange because, once again, I kind of had to figure out my own route. My family did go to that school, so they kind of gave me some advice, but honestly, I'm the only one who finished from that school. All of Mm -hmm. my family, they kind of dropped out at some point. So I was the only one who finished. Um, and so after, like, sophomore year, they're like, you're on your own. I don't know what else to tell you. And I was like, okay. Um, my high school, I didn't do the best in high school. I kind of just, I kind of got by. Um, I had a lot of issues that I had to deal with personally that um, affected my grades. But then I kind of just, I don't know how, but I made it through the end. Um, yeah. High school was kind of a blur for me, so I don't really, I don't know, I can't really touch too much on it. Do you know um, why you were the first person in your family to be able to graduate from high school, go on to college, and not only go on to college, but, you know, now you're about to graduate from college as well? Um, I would say I just had, like, more motivation I've seen the routes my siblings took, and it wasn't something that I knew I wanted to do. Um, my parents were, they went through divorce, and that's why I decided to um, major in social work. I talked to a mediator when they were going through divorce, and I knew that I wanted to be someone like her. I wanted okay. to make sure that mm-hmm. kids were taken care of because, yeah. you know, when your parents are going through divorce, I don't know for other kids, but for me, I felt like I caused it, and I felt like, you know, the reason why they're fighting is because of me, you know, they don't, not that they don't love me, but I just, I felt like I wasn't getting the attention I needed. And so talking to that lady, she made me feel like I was, you know, taken care of. And so she assured me, she's like, your parents do love you. They're just not, they don't love each other at the moment. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, like that, that really helps. Um, So I know my situation could have been much worse. I know there's kids out there who have much worse situations when their parents are being divorced, but that made everything like put in perspective for me at that point. Um, And so that was, I always remembered that when I thought of like why I need to keep on, you know, moving forward and why I need to go to school. Um, I think also my, I'm the only one from my parents' marriage. So my parents, my dad was able to, you know, guide me more saying like, oh yeah, like you want to go to school because you just, you want to do better for yourself. You know, you want to be able to afford these things. You want to not have to worry about certain things. And so those are just things that I kind of kept in the back of my mind when I was like, you know, all those times I was like, oh, like, why do I have to do this? Like, why can I, you know, just be like my sister or be like my brother? And I was like, no, I need to do this because I do want to be better for myself. So it sounds like you just Put one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. Kept on trucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, yeah, I just kept on pushing and just remember the bigger goal. I know at the time, like, 
pulling all-nighters and wondering, like, why do I do this? My friends at the time were, like, you know, kind of dropping like flies. Like, they are like, yeah, I'm not going to go to school anymore. And I was just like, oh, okay, you know, well, I don't really want that to be me. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I remember the bigger picture. And then now doing my internship, working with, you know, girls who it's so funny because when I first worked with them, I was like, wow, like, it humbled me a lot. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, high school <laughs> yeah, again. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh all the puberty and all the you know boys and stuff and I just know like I want to be able to help them in a way that I wish I was helped you know yeah I know that I don't necessarily look at my you know past as like being bad but I was like if I had something like this it definitely would have helped a lot you know so yeah kept on trucking <laughs> yeah can you talk to us a little bit about the internship? And have we already said that you're interning for us? We did, but I am. <laughs> I am interning for Detour Empowers. Um, That's my shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, so really, how do you like the internship right, experience? Right, right, right. <laughs> it's great. It's, um, it's actually something that I didn't, like, expect to do. When I first, like when I said, I, when I wanted to become a social worker, I was like, I want to help kids who are, their parents are divorcing. And before I picked Detour as the place that I want to intern at, there was a program that did that, you know, worked with families who were going through divorce. But something about this program stood out to me. And it was like, this is something, all of the programs I was going to like want to intern at, they were something that I wanted to do. But this one, I was like, this is something that I feel like would bring me out of my comfort zone, but also um, just teach me a lot about something that I just wish I had, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's why I picked Detour to intern at. Um, we do a lot of macro work, which is something that I didn't think I really wanted to do. When I was first learning about the different levels of social work, I was like, I want to do micro, micro. You know, that's when you're talking one on one with a kid. Um, but learning, you know, that's not even the case. Sometimes you're working with their family. So it's more mezzo, if anything. But Detour is definitely more macro. And it's something that it is, you know, taking me out of my comfort zone and it's expanding what I want to do. So I am becoming more comfortable with macro. Not saying I don't like, I love it. It's just, it's something that I didn't expect to do. So, so, so what do you do over there? What I do at Detour. <laughs> um, it's honestly, it's, I do a lot of things. My day-to-day is not the same, which I really appreciate because that's not something I want to do. <laughs> I know social workers, they are able to do a lot of things. And that's something I know I did not want to do picking my career. I was like, I don't want to do something where I have to do it the same thing every day. Because I already have a part-time job. That's the same thing. It's like, (laughs) I I can't do this. (laughs) Um, So my day consists of having, we have meetings, which makes me feel, you know, more adultish. I was like, oh, staff meetings. (laughs) (laughs) I never had these. Um, So we have staff meetings. Um, I do work with, I go to elementary school and I work with elementary school girls. And then we also work at the leadership with the leadership girls and the ambassadors and they're really they're really well behaved compared to what i was expecting so there that was a really nice transition you know i was like not just pushed into like <laughs> these girls who are like ruthless and you know <laughs> gonna do all these things but so it was they really smell n- fear they smell <laughs> fear right, they do right, right. <laughs> these girls yeah, do yeah. too <laughs> we know yeah they're they'll sense something but um so that's what i do i work with the ambassadors um I kind of, hmm, I'm trying to think. I kind of, you know, help them out. We have mentor groups, so I'm able to talk to them. Um, They do open up. The first meeting 
it was rough. <laughs> Not rough, <laughs> but it was just, I could tell they're just, you know, being, they're holding back. But that's something I learned in my classes. Like, you have to build a relationship with these mm-hmm. people, you know? And so the second meeting, they're telling me everything. Okay, <laughs> all the drama, all their boy drama. And I'm just like, okay. And they're like, what do you think I should do? I was like, oh, bring myself back to high school. Like, what do I do, you know? Um, so I do my mentor groups with them. I'm able to help them do their leadership um, lessons with the younger girls and the girls who are not ambassadors. And I'm able to give them feedback about how they're doing because they these girls are learning their essential skills and like what they need to do to like join the workforce. So I'm able to give them feedback in that sense, you know, and tell them like when you do get a job, like, you know, you can't just be messing around like this. Like you have to, you know, straighten up, you know, especially for this moment. I know it's like you don't want to you want to talk to your friends, but at this moment, like just focus. Um, and then my other day I do the podcast, which we are listening to right now. (laughs) Um, and I also work at a middle school and those girls are not like the ambassador (laughs) girls. (laughs) So that's what I was saying. They're not as, you know, well behaved as, you know, the ambassadors are, but they definitely do keep me on my toes and I'm able to learn a lot about, you know, the middle school girls also, I wasn't. I went to Chula Vista High, so that's definitely not in this the area that I work in. So it's also nice to be able to see the diversity, you know, and just just learn a lot about you know my the area where I've lived all my life, but never really like went into. Um, so yeah, I think I touched on almost yeah, everything yeah. about yeah. the internship. No, and you know, I just noticed you were saying that you know that you go into these new situations and you kind of like, okay, can I do this right? That never changes. So I just want to let you know, you know, as you go through life, there's always at every age is those moments where you go, okay, can I do this? Because that means you're stretching yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I would suggest unsolicited old lady advice. Get used to that. (laughs) I definitely say if you're not, you don't feel, if you feel uncomfortable, you're doing something right. You know, you don't want everything to be the same because then it just gets old, you know, and that's something that I'm really glad about social work is that something's always going to, there's, I'm never going to be out of work. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's, you know, always something to do regardless of what population you're, you know, serving. There's just always something to do. High need for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you just mentioned, you know, when you're uncomfortable, that's where you can really grow the most and you have the opportunity to be in an internship and it sounds like you're applying some of the theories and textbook Mm -hmm. learnings that you're, um, that you're getting at San Diego state. Now that you're in your fourth year, or I should say, well, you're finishing your, your bachelor's. Mm -hmm. What, were the biggest takeaways or ahas in that experience of coming in as a, uh, for all intents and purposes, first gen, figuring out getting to college, but as a young woman of color, what was your experience like navigating college for the first time? Um, it was different, really different, especially going to San Diego State. San Diego State is a mostly white population. There's a, well, it's a big white population. Um, So there's very few girls that look like what I look like, you know. And what I would say is just, I don't know. I The thing is, I also didn't have many friends. <laughs> I kind of, you know, have my friends that I knew from high school, but we don't share the same classes. I'd never see them. I'm there by myself. Um, for me personally, I just, like, look at the bigger picture and say, why am I here? You know, I need to get my education. I need to move forward. 
um, for advice, I would just say try to find the people who look like you, you know, and try to find the clubs. I know there's a lot of clubs on campus. For me, unfortunately, I'm not able to join as many as I would like to just because I do have work. Um, and I could touch on that, like mm-hmm. being on working and going mm-hmm. to school as well. Um, but just join clubs, I would say, that look, you know, who serve your community. So if you're a social worker, there's, you know, social, there's like the Black Student Association of Social Workers. So mm-hmm. there's people, mm-hmm. you know, who are focused on the same thing you are. Um, being a first gen, I was, it was definitely scary, but it was also like thrilling in a sense, you know, it's like, oh, what's going to happen next? And also you don't really have anybody to compare it to. You know, I know being like little sister, big sister, it's like, oh, why do you, you know, why aren't you like your sister? But it's like, it's kind of like, I'm on my own, you Mm -hmm. know, like nobody can really tell me, oh, you're not doing this right. You're not Mm -hmm. doing this. I'm like, well, I don't really have anybody to look up to. Not in a bad way. I have people I look up to, but not in the sense of school like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then being working, you know, I don't have the luxury to just, my parents pay for everything. So I do have to work. So time management is definitely, you know, something. It's Mm -hmm. also, I look at the bigger picture as well for that. Well, you hit on something that I think a lot of times, sometimes in school systems we take for granted, and I know Tanisa and I have had this conversation several times, that we work really hard to prepare young girls and encourage them and want them to be college-bound or making um, decisions after Mm -hmm. high school that can prepare them to be successful. But then they get there, and it's not maybe how you thought it was going to be. And so you're hitting on that, that sometimes you're there, but it can still be a very lonely experience. Um, and I can relate to you in the sense of having to work. And I had a little uh, work-study job on campus. I worked, believe it or not, for the math department. And I'm not <laughs> strong in math. But I made their copies. You know, I was running errands, um, delivering things to classrooms if need be, not in any capacity really working on math, thank goodness, for them. <laughs> um, but I remember thinking, well, I, I have to juggle the classes. And then that, there wasn't a lot of room really for some of these other things. Yeah. And kind of that's how I feel like when you're saying that really resonated with me. Because on top of that, then it was having to do internships because I knew that that was a great way to get some work experience. But it's good and bad, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. My friends and I will always say, oh, you know, being poor builds your character. We're resourceful. <laughs> yeah, but it kind of sucks when you're the, <laughs> the poor college student. And you're like, oh, um, I don't have a car. And how am I going to get there? And, and I'm juggling multiple jobs yeah. and all of this, right? And so, But I love that you're saying you keep the end game in mind. And hopefully that's what fuels you, right, to get done. But charting that course is not easy. And, and I hope that our listeners, that that's hitting home with them, that you know, when you have these young people on campuses and they're they're learning about themselves and being exposed to different people and different ideas, that's all wonderful because it's a beautiful time to get to know yourself. But those students who have that extra pressure or stress of just life, mm-hmm. it's not the same. Yeah. And I think if you're a professor, I've taught at the higher ed, just to for those folks, if you're in that role, I would say, you can't assume that everyone is going to have the same experience that you did in college. Yeah. And so sometimes this is really getting to know your students to say, well, why are, why are they not showing up? Maybe they had to work. And if that's the difference between them making their rent or not, you know what? I applaud that they chose to go to work because I don't want them to be you know, evicted. So it's just, I think, having some empathy for where students are coming from. And you don't know that until you ask. And I don't think colleges or universities really ask that question oftentimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was going to 
talk also about the resources that they provide because like you said, there's a lot of clubs and things to do on campus, but I can't participate in any of them because I work, you mm-hmm. know? So uh, the college is also making it a point to reach out to those who aren't engaged to see how they can engage them so that they don't feel lo- like lost in the sauce yeah, or um, like they're unsure of their next step or their next move. Um, and so that they can still get the support, you know, the type of support that the other students get. Um, I know SDSU now has a Black Student Union uh, resource center also on campus. You do. Have you ever been to that or accessed it or anything? Because I have not. I do know some of my professors are like the leaders of that, but okay. I haven't personally just because my main focus when I go to class is go to class and get out, you know, and yeah. try to just. I have work like in an hour, so I have to go, you know. Right. Um, but I do, I, if I could, I would, you know, join those. But I just, at this point, I am focusing on like the bigger picture, you know. So that's. Uh, and I would, I want to say the bigger picture should be better financial aid packages. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, right. because, I mean, college is just, just too crazy expensive, oh, you yeah. know. And don't get me started on that textbook hustle. I'm still yeah. mad about that decades later. Oh, yeah. yeah. You Second know edition, I mean? third edition. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, no. I mean, it's just. But you live and learn, right? Yeah. Like, I learned to bum off books. of like, wait, ho, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> what class did you take and what can we barter? Yeah, because yeah. Because you caught on that you realize, I'm spending six, $700 on yeah. books that really look very similar. Right. To, and yeah. then when you buy, they buy them back, it's like for a quarter. Two cents. Right. It's like, yeah. what? I didn't even write in the yeah. margins. Exactly. What do you mean? Yeah. Can I, can I ask, Paul, because, Jenna, you brought up the, the cost. Uh-huh. Um, how are you uh, covering sc- the school cost? Um, the school cost, my dad has saved up money. You know, apparently he was like, oh, yeah, like throughout high school I was saving up money. I was keeping in mind because, you know, I did want you to go to school. And so that's also one of my motivations is, like, I need to make my parents proud. I know that's, yeah. you know, a big weight to carry, but, you know, I do want them to be proud. They didn't go to college. None of my siblings went to college, so I want to make them proud. Um, so my dad has given me some money for that, but also I just, I work, mm-hmm. you know, and I try to find as many scholarships as I can here and there. Um, but just working. So my week schedule is busy. I'm either doing my internship or I'm at school or I'm at work. I never mm-hmm. have a day off just to do nothing, mm-hmm. you know, but like I said, oh, the semester is almost over. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm yeah. looking forward to. Light at the end of the yeah. tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I was just thinking about the jobs I had in college. Man, I I used to like work in the cafeteria, you know, those big industrial size dishwashers and taking those hot plates off. The, <laughs> I could still feel the burn on the tip of my fingers, you yeah. know? I mean, that's crazy. It, so and you all had jobs on campus. Yeah, I had one on, of my jo- yeah. yeah. My other job was Macy's downtown. Mm-hmm. Retail is not fun. I worked in the <laughs> I worked in the summer full time to like pad for the next year. Spend but I was fortunate, you know, my jobs were like work study jobs on campus. Yeah. See, I never even knew where to start with those. Um, I continued my entrepreneurship journey through. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and then also because what did you do? You yeah, tell us I'm going to tell you what okay, I did. Okay, okay. what were you like, selling? Well, yeah, I was like, no. hold up. You, you got some explaining to do. Well, exactly. And you never knew what your schedule was going to be. So I, I had mm-hmm. to do things that I could base around my schedule. You know that were really flexible. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, Emmanuel's cleaning services. I cleaned. Mm-hmm. That was cool. one. And then I did bookkeeping. So I was a bookkeeper for small businesses. Cool. I was Uber before Uber. Oh. So I, people paid me to take them to work, drop their kids off at school. Oh, shoe. wow. Like we're Uber all of that. Uber. All of that. I was giving loans to my friends <laughs> because what I kind had of in- money. What right? kind of interest rate were you trying yeah, to get? around 10. <laughs> it was around 10. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing that. I was doing like a little bit of everything in order to, you know, just make it work. And then I transitioned into like having a part-time job at Household Auto Finance, which was four hours, you know, 5 to 9 p.m. call center. Um, and call center ended up being something that I ended up going into full time because they're open 24 hours. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I remember having a schedule from 4.30 a.m. until 8. No, 4.30 until 12. So I got to work Sereno Valley, 4.30 a.m. Was off by 12, so I didn't have any traffic. Went to school. And wow. then I was still involved in the Christian youth group that I was in, that I started in in, in high school. So, um, yeah, I've always found myself like, okay, how can I, you know, if school is the priority, how can I get jobs or do things to Mm. make money outside of that to accommodate that schedule? Yeah. I love that you have internships that are paid, right? So, like, that you're honoring someone's time to come because they're getting work experience, but they're being paid. Uh, Some of um, my internships were non-paid, and and there was a six-month internship, I remember, I thought I was going to be in law enforcement. My bachelor's is in criminal justice. And it was a great opportunity with the U.S. pretrial services. But it was six months of non-paid. And I thought, but I got to do this. So I put that on top. Mm -hmm. So for folks who are in these systems, I would say do right by people and pay them. I had to pay for parking downtown, even though I'd I'd walk about the 10 blocks. Um, I thought that you don't want to do that to a college student. They're there to get experience, but really to honor their time is important that we pay them. So creating these paid experiences, I think, is super important. I know you do that with Detour all the time. I do that with Detour. However, this is an SDSU program in which. Uh, SDSU, come on. (laughs) But you know what? I was with them and that's how I had to be placed in an internship and so maybe they're just working with the class. cheap businesses i don't know mm-hmm. yeah I, yeah yeah you're right no so it is an sdsu thing it states in our like field guide that it has to be an unpaid internship mm. which is something i would want to talk about regarding like institutions like that you know mm. so because i know it's not just sdsu i know yeah. it's like csu san marcos like why do they have to be unpaid mm-hmm. you know and it's like, are they not thinking about the students in this case? Because I have classmates who they tell me stories and they sound like they're like way worse. You know, mm-hmm. they are barely making it mm-hmm. and they don't have any family here. I have family that I could rely on, but some of them, they don't have anything. And so I'm thinking like, why, you know, why is it? I know all internships are not paid. You know, it would mm-hmm. be beautiful if that was the case. But why do you have to make it only unpaid? You know, like, mm-hmm. why can't it be like if you find a paid one, go for that. But you can't do that until you're like in your second year of your master's, you know. Right. And that's it's really mm-hmm. an equity issue. Mm-hmm. It's it's a barrier absolutely to um girls of color like advancing. Mhm. You know, because it takes away that time yeah. 
that she could be spending on herself. Yeah. And you got lucky because you got a great in, you got a great internship and you get to be on a podcast and you're, <laughs> I mean, you're getting all these great things, but still, right? Yeah. It's like your yeah. time. I just think it's important that like you're saying, Janedra, like the if we're setting up these inequitable yeah. practices already, that it's like, come on. Yeah. It shouldn't be that difficult. Right. Because that, you know, like you were saying earlier, that would cause a student to pass on the opportunity. Like, I don't have time to. And we find that in workforce development as well, where they're like, oh, this is an apprenticeship or a, you know, workforce development program that's six months, eight months, but it's full time and you don't get paid. Like, that's just not feasible (laughs) for most people who need those types of programs. Yeah, I mean, I used to work, I mean, it even seeps deeper into the nonprofit sector. I used to work at an agency that the frontline workers um, got paid so little that they qualified for food stamps. Mm-hmm. And they were able to do it. I mean, these were young white women because their parents subsidized. Mm. And they're, they're yeah. living in San Diego, like paid a portion of their rent mm-hmm. or something that enabled them to get that entry level job. To take them to the next th- level. To take them to the next level. Yeah. They had that subsidized um, advantage. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I'll never forget that. And I never forget I was at this agency and. Um, for the entry level people, I was trying to get you know women of color in there, and they would tell me, "I can't work for that. Mm-hmm. I got student loans. Mm-hmm. You know, I love pro- this work, but I can't work for that. Right. You know, and it really is a gatekeeping equity barrier issue. Mm-hmm. And you, you hit it on the nail just now about the the debt that a lot of students mm-hmm. will leave mm-hmm. college with. I financially didn't cover everything. And so I had to, t- even for my bachelor's, I had to take out loans. Yeah. Then I had to do it again. I paid one semester. I wrote a check one time for my master's program. And then I thought, I can't do that every semester. I'm like, I can't, I can't. And then the second master's and accredited. I mean, all of this begins to add up. So I was very grateful. Um, I had put in for the public service loan forgiveness when I first learned about it many years ago. You want to make sure you keep an eye out, Paula, if you ever take out loans because your mm-hmm. your industry would qualify. And, you know, you put in this form and you still have to make 120 mm-hmm. Ten years. payments, right? Mm-hmm. Ten freaking years. But the interest yeah. begins to add up. And so I put in the form um, and I they said, you haven't made enough. And I thought, oh, God, whatever. Okay, fine. And then two months later, I get another email and I was almost going to delete it because I thought, why are you, you just, they were sending out a lot of reminders for folks to fill out this form. And I thought, well, let me just open it. And it says, you have a message in your inbox. So I, you know, do the password. And it said, we actually went back to review it mm. and they forgave. I wow. started crying. Yeah. Wow. I get emotional talking about it now because yeah. I still at that point owed 35 grand. I had already oh, paid wow. those yeah. MFS. I, <laughs> I paid them what I borrowed. I and so I thought, but I just, that burden of, yeah. I never did a doctorate program for that reason. Yeah. Because if that, if I had not had that debt and that burden, I, I like school. I would yeah. have totally yeah. enrolled yeah. in a doctor, but I thought I can't take on another 30, 40 K when I still owe. Yeah. So to have it, to have that weight lifted yeah. was an incredible um, blessing that I'm just really grateful for. But I I feel for students who it's like you're going to mm-hmm. walk out or you max out a credit card because you had to charge groceries. And again, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? You're not going to eat? No, you're going to go eat. Yeah. So sometimes you do have to charge stuff and you walk out of school and you're ready to take on a job and you're like, well, this is only paying $50,000. Yeah. 
It's because you already have, you've racked up so much debt that right. of course you need a job to pay you 80, Yeah. especially in San Diego to make a, a you know livable wage. And that's not the reality is you're going to be poor for a long time. <laughs> you got to pay off the debt. <laughs> and then maybe you yeah. reach some, some like common ground where you feel like yeah. I can finally breathe. And that just takes takes time. time. But it shouldn't be that way for people. Yeah. You know, college should not just be accessible by the elite or those who are willing to go broke. Yeah. That shouldn't be the case. Well, you know, right. there was a time where, like, the UC system used to be free till Ron, Ronald Reagan jacked mm-hmm. that up. But think back, you know, I went to UCLA, and they never called it tuition. They always called it fees, mm-hmm. right? And it, UC used to be free in the state of California. Why can't we do that again? I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Why can't we do that again? It was yeah, about, yeah. En- enrollment is low. You know, we yeah. had the girls at Grossmont mm-hmm. College um, a couple weeks ago, and they're struggling to find mm-hmm. students because now students are weighing, you know, the benefits of it? actually going to college. Is it worth it? Or can I do something else? Really, you know, earning an income is about having a skill and being mm-hmm. able to monetize the skills. Yeah. And there are so many skills that can be learned through non-traditional, you know, learning avenues. Mm-hmm. And so many are opting to just do that versus go to college for X amount of years in order to get to the same level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're graduating in May. It's just around the corner. You're going to enroll in a master's program. So if you had a... We just scared her off with all that. No. Yeah. No. No. So are you still going to enroll in the mess? No. Say it out loud. Say it out loud, Paula. You're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> you're doing it. Yeah. So if you, you know, 10 years down the road, you're all done, you're changing lives in your social work field, what would you say to a young version of yourself? Someone, maybe it's a client or someone you're interacting with through your professional role and they maybe remind you of you? and they're just looking to navigate kind of next steps in life, um, what would you say to them? I would just say keep on going. Even if you don't want to and everything, you know, your personal life or your work life, everything feels like it's against you. Like just keep on going because I also, the reason why, you know, look at the bigger picture is also because I want to, you know, motivate girls who look like me. And I want somebody, I'm not saying I want to be somebody's role model, but I want to, you know, I want to get more diversity out there because, you know, seeing people who are either mixed or of color, like it's, you know, it's not, it's rare. So I want, you know, them to be able to have just, you know, if basically look like, look like me and also just, I don't know, um, just have somebody, you want to be able to motivate somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. and Look at the bigger picture. Look at, think about yourself, but think about, you know, there's another little girl there that, you know, wants to do the same thing that you're going to do. So you want to show them what's possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like somebody showed you. Mm -hmm. Or actually, nobody really showed me. I kind of just. Well, the counselor, the divorce counselor. The counselor (laughs) showed me the general, like. Just the general industry. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. She didn't look like you, though. But then she left. Yeah. She, She didn't stick around. So. But you're going to change systems yes. so that that isn't the case, yes. yes, right? That it doesn't have to be that hard yes. for the next girl of color. It just, we put a man on the moon, and yet we can't figure out how to create these true supportive pathways. Right? But you so. know, and it, I, when you said that the man on the moon thing, 
that movie Hidden Figures really mm-hmm. bugged me because <laughs> who really put the man on the moon? But it was like if I was in third grade and I was taught that a black woman did the math yeah. on mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that would have changed my attitude about math. Mm-hmm. I have an issue with math. Who are you talking to? Remember? Yeah. 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 When I took the GRE, oh. uh, I had to. Oh. I took. A, I took a course. So, so you're gonna. We have, don't have GREs. You, you okay, that's is that a, gone now? That's gone. I never have taken a GRE. Really? So for your master's program, they're not gonna make you take the GRE? No. That's oh, that's progress. That's a blessing. <sighs> yeah. Because they stressed all us out. Yeah. Let me finish my story. Oh, oh sorry. Sorry. Yeah. To prepare for the GRE, I took a math anxiety course that was taught by a math teacher and a therapist. Oh, God. That's how bad it was. Yeah. That, that class was hilarious, though, but it was like... But the math on the... Ju- that's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember... So my quick story linked to the GRE, uh-huh. and unfortunately at San Diego State, I love you, but what happened was I scored very low on the math section that a professor called me in, and she said to me, students like you don't tend to finish graduate. And, I, and at first I was like, what the fuck does she mean? <laughs> I was like, what? And I go, I'm sorry. Right. And she said, your math score on the GRE was very low, but you scored very high on the verbal section. And she said, but, you know, we look at everything. And so when we look at a student like you with your scores, they tend to not finish. And I just said to her, well, I'm not every student. Ooh. Yeah. And so she said, well, you do have letters of recommendation from professors. And she said, that's why we're going to actually accept you. And I just thought. Why she lead with that? I know. Uh. I just thought, <laughs> who is, why is she in this role? Yeah. And so I always kind of, there was times when I, I cried in my first master's program because it was tough. Yeah. And I thought, oh, do I really, was that mm-hmm. lady right? And I thought, no, I'll be damned if I'm going right. to prove that lady right. But yeah. unfortunately, And I did tell her, I'm not going into a master's program that's going to require math math that I couldn't do with a basic (laughs) calculator. Like, this would be silly. I'm not going into med school. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. But, again, sometimes people are put in those positions that create that roadblock. So it's a real it's a real thing. So I'm very happy to hear that you don't Don't have have to to do it. You don't have to do it. And there's other ways to demonstrate your competencies and that you would be successful, right? You can demonstrate artifacts and other ways of of knowing um, and demonstrating your learning that it's not in these biased races based tests for yeah sure. yeah so no definitely if I had to take a GRE for social work I don't think it would be beneficial at all because social work is about you know having these ethics and morals you know and being able to care for this person why should I have to take a math test exactly. you know that's ridiculous so mm-hmm. I would fail that math test, but you know, social work. <laughs> oh, I need to know. Yeah, math mind yeah. I just need I, to know how many clients I have. Yes. I can't count how many hours I yeah. need. To yeah. <laughs> That's the math I need. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Paula, I appreciate you jumping in and and joining us and sharing a little bit about yourself. I enjoyed learning more about you. And thank you. I enjoyed ha- talking and sharing everything with you guys. <laughs> yeah, good, amazing things are gonna come and I just think you know the profession in social work is growing you are entering it at an amazing time yeah no doubt in my mind you're not going to be um you know fully employed the minute you graduate because there's just there's such a need yes yeah you may be fully employed already before you graduate (laughs) (laughs) you're right they're chomping at the bit these folks they're going to recruit you so um appreciate your time and best of luck to you moving forward and go Aztecs (laughs) yeah thanks Paula thank you thank you That does it for us on another episode of All About Girls of Color. I'm Gabby. 
I'm Tanisa. I'm Janedra. See you next time. Bye. This podcast is made possible by the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. Additional sponsors include San Diego County Employees Charitable Organization. You can access all episodes and connect with us via email at allaboutgirlsofcolor.com.